It is good to be with you. My name is Keith Corver. I'm one of the uh, pastors at Third Church in Pellis, so it's wonderful to be here. Out of the seven pastors that have existed in the Calvary Church Crossroads lineage, I would be number five. I was here from 1992 until 2000 over in the old site. And it's kind of an interesting month for my wife, Chris, and I. You ever have these times in your life when life goes full circle? So last night we uh, had a friend who I hadn't seen for 30 years who's a missionary in Africa. We reacquainted. I'm here teaching after 23 years, full circle, although I've been here a couple times for worship services. And then I have a friend at the end of the month coming back into my life who I haven't seen for 40 years who just wants to connect because somehow I impacted his life back in high school. So this is one of these full circle days for Chris and I. We're grateful to be here and we're grateful for you here at Crossroads Church. If I call you a Calvary Church, forgive me today, but I'll try not to. Uh, if you know me and the Holmes know me really well, um, I'm one of these guys where I don't believe in Texas Longhorn sermons. Do you know what a Texas Longhorn sermon is? It's a point here and a point there and a lot of bull in between. <laughs> so we have one point today, and can I have the screen? Uh, point number one, which is, that's not it. That's my text. Here we go. And that's, there we go. That's not it. How about number one? We're moving forward. It should say we're moving forward. There we go. That's not it either. Somehow the machine is going wrong. Here's the point for the day. The way forward is through the Holy Spirit. Would you repeat it after me? The way forward is through the Holy Spirit. I can't hear you. Thank you. I'm going to keep you guys wide awake today, okay? Um, I want to just share a little bit about how I have grown to learn to hear the Spirit, experience the Holy Spirit, as I've been living my life in Christ. And then we're going to, this is really a two-part series. Today's part one. Next week is going to be a big deal because I'm going to actually try to give you an upgrade in your ability to, to be able to hear the Holy Spirit and move in the Holy Spirit because as God's people get equipped to hear him and move in their day-to-day -day living. That's how the church grows, through loving people, by bringing a word of knowledge to someone, by encouraging someone so pointedly they know God is present in your person. And so we want to move forward with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about how I became pastor at Calvary Church back in 1992 first. I was a youth pastor in Pella after graduating seminary in 1990 and my first classes meeting, and by the way, you guys are out of the RCA now too, right? Is that correct? Yep, good. So are we, and that's good news, by the way. So, long story short, I was at a classes meeting at the old building and old George Meiskins, who was number four pastor, walks up to me. I'd never met this guy before. And he walks up to me and he says, you are Harold's boy, aren't you? And I said, I am Harold's boy. He says, well, I'm George Meiskins. I'm your, your dad's first cousin. Good to meet you, George. And then George looks at me and he says, you will be the next pastor of this church. And I went, what? If you would have heard the bubble in my head, it was like, no way, Jose, except it was in more explicit terms. There is no way I'm going to be the pastor of this church in this location, in this place. Two years later, I was the pastor at that church. If you want to make God giggle, tell him your plans. He's going to change him on you. So long story short, for two years, George was my mentor before I actually got called to be the pastor at Calvary Church. And this all ties into you now here at Crossroads Church, so stay with me through my story as I connect with your story. 
George and I were meeting one day in his office, and we're mentoring. We had kind of a mentoring protocol we were going through for younger pastors coming into the classes to get grounded. And George said this to me. He said, Keith, he said, there is going to be a road built on the east and the south side of Des Moines. The future of this church hasn't even started yet. And in that moment, I was struck with blindness. I'd never had this before. I said, George, I am blind. I cannot see you. And I had a spinning of vertigo in my head, but it was not nauseating. And I said, George, I'm either having a stroke or the Holy Spirit speaking to me here. I'm not sure which. I said, on my way home, if I crash on Vandalia Road, you tell my wife I had a stroke, and that's what this is all about. Well, I'm still vertical here today. And so the point is the Holy Spirit was speaking. He was speaking blatantly, and he was speaking clearly. Our text for the morning, so George was prophetic. Our text for the morning is Zechariah 4, 6, and I'd like you to read it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Read it again with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Here's the context of that particular text. Zechariah the prophet, Joshua the priest, and Zerubbabel, a descendant of David, had returned to Jerusalem when Cyrus the Great attacked Babylon. He allowed all the captive exiles of every nation to go home to their land to rebuild their temples. So the Jews were getting to go back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The problem was when they landed there, the place was a wreck. And when they laid the footings for the second temple, it was nothing. It was minuscule compared to what the glory of Solomon's temple complex looked like. And the people were super discouraged. and There were hardly any materials to deal with, etc. I want to read the text to you in its fullness. So hear the word of the Lord. Zechariah is speaking the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who's now the ruler, and they're rebuilding the temple. Not by might, nor by, by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountain? What in the world is the mighty mountain? The mighty mountain was discouragement. Question, are any of you discouraged today? Are any of you discouraged with what's happening in your midst? The word of the Lord is, do not be discouraged today. The word of the Lord is, is, what are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, the foundation, the hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the small things of the Lord. Kind of a funny story. <clears throat> I became pastor of Calvary Church in 1992. I went to a Robert Schuler leadership conference in 1993, and we were listening to all the big megachurch pastors kind of crow about their ministries and how the Lord was blessing in the whole bit. There were 3,000 of us there. And I was a pastor of a small church. In fact, most of the pastors in this conference were from small churches. At the end of the presentations, which were God-honoring, a small Korean pastor gets up, a South Korean pastor, and he says in broken English to the group, God, big. God asks you do big, it big. God asks you do small, it big. God, big. 
We went nuts. The whole place said this was worth the price of admission. We gave the guy a standing ovation. The point is, God likes to do big things through small people, small places. He loves Nazareth's. He loves Bethlehem's. He loves Nowheresville's. He takes people from Nowheresville, and he does something. Move with me now to 1994 in my timeline at that church, and we had just gone to Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. And if any of you know about Willow Creek, it was the happening place back in the 1990s. Bill Hybels and his crew, 200 acres of land, four acres of buildings covered the whole bit. We were all in awe just looking at what was happening. I was 32 years old at the time, and you're, you're dreaming for your little church. What could be? What could be? We left the conference trying to bring home a few goodies to, that we could use in our churches. Well, one day I was running over here on Southwest 9th Street. The Beltway was not completed yet, and I'm running down Southwest 9th Street. I'm a little bit south of the uh, get-and-go. And I'm arguing with the Lord. And I said, Lord, if only you would just give us more money and more resources and more this, that, and the other thing. And in that moment, my ankle cracked. I thought I broke my ankle, and I was down on my back looking up to heaven. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Keith, don't you ever tell me we need more money. We need more resources. We need more people. And in that very moment, Zechariah 4, 6 streamed through my mind. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I said, Lord, I deserved a broken leg. I'm going to go ahead and hobble home. I repent for my terrible attitude because you can do whatever you want. And I hobbled home about half a mile to get home. By the time I'd gotten home, it had worked itself out. But I'll tell you what, I learned a big lesson that day that imprinted with me. We never tell God what he can do. And by his spirit, he can do it. He is an incredible God. The way forward is always through the Holy Spirit. Another example. When I had come to Calvary Church in 1992, George had confirmed in my spirit that a road was going to be built on the south side. And that road never came. In fact, Proverbs 13, 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled, a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. And so I kept telling people, this road's going to come, this road's going to come. Corver, you're crazy, you're crazy. What George Meiskens had prophesied had landed in my craw, and I kept praying for it, I kept praying for it, I kept praying for it. In 1995, the board of Polk County Board of Supervisors took over Prairie Meadows. Y'all remember that? took over Prairie Meadows, and all the money from gambling proceeds after costs went to build the road. I will never forget grabbing five copies of the Des Moines Register. I pasted them all over the church to encourage everybody, saying, hey, we've got to keep up hope. We've got to keep up hope because the road is coming. The future of the church is coming. And the Holy Spirit used George to confirm in me that the road was a necessary piece of infrastructure for the future of the ministry of this church. Since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. The way forward is always through the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you don't know this, but Calvary Church in its old days when I was there was known as a welfare church. We'd received classes, funds, denominational funds for about 25 years to the tune of $670,000. That was massive money back then. 
When I became pastor of the church, I, I was ashamed when I went to classes meetings for that money to be given to our church, especially when church was doing better and better, as George and Arlene had done a fantastic job before I got there. So I said to the elder board, I said, we have to get off the dole. We have to either cut bait and fish or get off the dock. It's time for us to put up or to be quiet. And they agreed. And so we ceased having that kind of input into Calvary Church's life. The RCA at that time had one program that I thought was absolutely phenomenal, and we took it and we used it. It was called Consecration Sunday. Essentially what it is is I preached four weeks on tithing and offering. The fifth week we asked people to prayerfully consider by the Holy Spirit in your family's context, would you increase your giving just 1% for the next year? So if somebody's not tithing, they're not giving 10%, you don't ask them to give 10%, you ask them to give 1%. And then the next year we did it again. How about 2%? How about 3%? We're growing faith in the Lord slowly, and the Holy Spirit was working. Long story short, by the time we ended at Calvary Church back in uh, 2000, the budget was $350,000 a year, and I'm going to get there in a minute. We purchased the land that you're on, this little church. Purchased this land to prepare for the future because the road was coming in. The faithfulness of that little congregation was absolutely incredible. When I moved to Pella and I went to Third Church, I asked one of the head deacons how their tithing was. What's it like here at Third Church? You can't run a church without money. If you want to have an institutional program church, it's going to reach out and be very, very effective. I was told that Third Church maybe had 15% of the body that tithed. Calvary Church had way over that. It was amazing to me. Third's budget at that time was $3.3 million. If the giving per capita of Calvary Church was in Third Church, Third Church's budget would have been $7 million. That's how generous that little church is, was. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. The story continues. Let's keep rolling here. In uh, 1998... The beltway is being prepared to be built. And so I had my brother come visit me, and I said, Ken, I said, you see our location here. I said, tell me if I'm a kook. I said, we have to get out of here fast. we got to prepare for the future, and he affirmed it. I went to our elder board and said, look, we got to go for it. So we started looking for land all over the place, and I am fasting and praying like crazy, and so was our elder board at that time. And we found this land here for $190,000. Can somebody tell me if you're in real estate what this land would be worth now? Does anybody know? I'm asking. A million? More? Massive. The Lord prepared the way. In fact, the family that sold this land to us, to you, wanted a church to be put on it. The way forward is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was already working in this family's life. The Lord connected us with them, and the land was purchased. And then Keith and Chris Corver left. Glenn and Sally Bloomer came. For 21 years, they were here. They shut down over there. They worked over at the Norwalk gym. You folks built this complex here, and Glenn and Sally are gone. And now there's a new day happening as you are leaning into the future by the Holy Spirit. Now, this past week, as I was thinking about you and about the history of Calvary Church as I've rolled through this, and now uh, uh, Crossroads Church, I had a friend, a woman who's really godly. Her name is Kim Robbins. 
and she explained the concept of orthodox seeds versus unorthodox seeds in botany years ago to me. And the Holy Spirit brought this memory to me this week, and I want to share with you what it is because it's the seed of hope that I want to drop today that is about your future, which is actually going to be great. A long story short, as I was surveying the history of Calvary Church through the years, when it was originally planted, the Greenfield Plaza was to have been twice the size that it was, and the idea back in the 1960s was to put a community church in the middle of a, a community, and then you would have this kind of hub. Well, when recession hit in 1965, the economy shut down. When things picked up in the 70s, the I-80 corridor had already been going, so West Des Moines just kind of boomed. The south side went dormant. It went dormant. And there was no production, no building, no movement, because everything was going that way. I sat thinking about the four pastors before me, myself, Glenn, and now where you are right now. The Lord has preserved Calvary Crossroads for an incredible future. And now I want to talk about orthodox seeds. Is there a botanist in the room? Because I don't really want to sound stupid to a botanist because I'm going to, but I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. Orthodox seeds are seeds that can be ancient when pulled out of their natural environment and somehow they are preserved with temperature and with humidity so that when conditions are perfect, the seed can actually sprout. The oldest orthodox seeds ever found are 2,000 years old. Old. I was sharing the story of Calvary Crossroads with this woman named Kim Robbins, and she looked at me and she said, Keith, that church, Calvary Crossroads, has Holy Spirit Orthodox seeds in its spiritual DNA. Its day just hasn't come yet, but the Lord has been preserving it. And I'm going to read you something here about Orthodox seeds that she actually wrote that I thought was fascinating. In 1963, Herod the Great's fortress at Masada was excavated. A clay jar with seeds in it was part of the artifacts found. Researchers at the University of Zurich carbon dated the seeds. They were found to be 2,000 years old. The seeds were then stored at Bar Ilan University in Israel for 40 years. In 2005, three seeds were planted. Eight weeks later, one sprouted. By 2008, it had grown to be a five-foot palm tree. By 2015, it was completely grown. It's the oldest known seed to be successfully germinated. There are two kinds of seeds, orthodox and unorthodox. Orthodox seeds have the ability to survive through a drought or even a glacier. Then they can even survive 2,000 years after that. On the other hand, if you look at unorthodox seeds, they cannot even survive 10 degrees Celsius. Here's the question now. What if God has ordained some of your dreams and the dream of Calvary Crossroads, and they're like orthodox seeds? Hear me now. God ordained dreams. God gives us a dream for our life, for our church, for our purpose. And at first, we're all fired up, right? It's so exciting to have a God-given dream. And now life has this supernatural direction and momentum in a way that it never did before. And if things don't begin to turn and unfold right away, it's okay, 
because we're still sure it was a God-given dream. Though at times, over time, if we're honest, we struggle. We succeed in some areas of life and we fail in others. We keep living and time keeps passing. Key people we were sure would be part of the dream God gave us move out of our lives and sadly some even die. At some point, we begin to think the dream is dead. And we figure we must have misunderstood or messed something up, not having been good enough, not fast enough, not wise enough for any number of reasons. But then the way forward through the Holy Spirit reveals that we have Holy Spirit, orthodox seed in us, waiting for the master gardener to tend it, to grow it into what he originally intended it to be. I am absolutely convinced, and if you leave with anything today, it's this, the Holy Spirit is leading into the future. You are in his hands, and you are orthodox seed. This place, your purposes are orthodox seed. It is going to happen. Zechariah encouraged Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's the word of the Lord for you today. Your future, a big future, is ahead of you. Now, for us to be able to move into that future, I want to give you a gift, and I want to prep you for what's coming next week. I'm going to fire hose you next week. So I need you to bring your Bible. Will all of you bring your Bible? Please, please, raise your hand if you agree to bring your Bible. And I need you to bring a pen because you're going to mark it up. And I'm going to share with you where we're going. In order for us to move into the orthodoxy that God has for us, we have to know how to hear the Holy Spirit like never before. I'm going to share with you some testimony of how the Holy Spirit has upgraded my ability to hear him by being mentored with other Christian men who see what's in the Scripture that my lineage never taught me to see. It's an amazing thing how we need some charismatics, some evangelical Roman Catholics and others to help us see Scripture a little bit differently so that we can move by the Spirit as the Word of God becomes living and active. I'm looking at the time. Am I, how many more minutes do I have? Steve? Another time? Okay, good. Here's where we're going. I'll get to prime the pump for next week. <clears throat> In 2004, I had this crazy dream. So next week, we're going to talk about dreams and visions as well, because you're having them. Uh, so in 2014, I had this dream. and I have a private pilot's license. I wanted to fly for the Air Force, blah, blah, blah. So I like airplanes. So the Holy Spirit often speaks to us in dreams that the, where the symbols mean something to us. They land so you can grasp them. At any rate, in this dream, I landed a Russian MiG-21 aircraft. It's a single-engine fighter from Vietnam. I read about this stuff. I think it's cool. I landed the jet. Jesus was my check pilot. I couldn't see him, but I heard him. And he said, great check ride. Now take the jet to California and show your parents. And I said to Jesus, I said, should I take the 17, the MiG-17, which is a lesser jet, cheaper, no afterburner, not as fast, or the 21? He said, no, take the 21. The dream had nothing to do with airplanes or jets. The dream had to do with the number, 21. It took me six years to unpack the meaning of what the Lord shared with me in the dream. 
And so the Lord has given you dreams in the past. Don't forget them. When they're Holy Spirit, God-given dreams, they're orthodox seeds, and he's going to allow them to unpack over time. Now, move forward to uh, the summer of 2006. I'm with my father, Harold. We are again at the Robert Schuller Leadership Conference, and in this particular conference, we have the biggest names in the world in science, in media, and the whole bit, Christian people talking about how they're extending the kingdom of God through their craft. At the beginning of the Tuesday morning session, Bishop Kenneth Ulmer got up to teach the devotion for the day. Kenneth, Dr. Kenneth, is the pastor of the uh, African-American church that now is in the fabulous forum where the Lakers used to play. He gets up front in, this, in the Arboretum, and there's 500 of us in this room, and my dad and I are sitting way up in the balcony in Nosebleed Alley. And Kenneth Ulmer gets up and he says, Now, Dr. Schuler told me I'm supposed to lead a devotion this morning, Habakkuk 1-1. But the Holy Spirit woke me up this morning, and he said that there's one man in the audience, one man, not a woman, a man. And I'm supposed to preach to you Habakkuk 2-1. 21. You got it, mister? I'm like, beep, beep, beep. Okay, I'm getting it, God. I'm getting it, God. Habakkuk 2.1 says this. I'm going to stand upon my watchtower, and there I'm going to wait to see what the Lord is going to say to me, and then I'm going to write it down. That's all those two or three verses say. I didn't know fully what it meant. Fast forward to 2010. So I got a six-year window here. In my office on a Tuesday morning, I have three people, unscheduled, come in, and all three say, hey, Keith, I'm getting all these God dreams. I do not know how to interpret them. Would you help me? I said, well, I don't know either, but you know what? Let's learn. So I get online, and I type on dream interpretation, and boom, Sid Roth's show with Dr. Mark Verkler is on. And I'm listening to this seven-minute little teaser, and Mark Verkler says this, For 11 years in ministry, I tried to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I could not. And I had all of my charismaniac friends who could hear God. They were getting all kinds of messages. And I would ask them, how do you know this is a message from God? And they would say, well, you just know that you know. And Mark would say, that's not good enough. We have to be able to teach people from Scripture. Well, one day, Mark has a dream at night, and the Holy Spirit wakes him up and says, Mark, go to Habakkuk 2, 1, and I will teach you how you can hear my voice regularly. So here's where we're going next week. I'm going to unpack it. So we're being led into the future by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to offer you, as he offered me, this massive upgrade in being able to discern his voice and hear his voice, and we need it because the biggest revival in history is brewing, and God needs you, and he needs me to be ready to be able to hear his voice when we are walking with people so they can know the goodness of Jesus. I want you to stand, and I'm going to explain this to you. We're going to do some motions. By the end of next week, you're going to have this process down. So step number one in the four keys of hearing God's voice is stillness. Just put your hands down like this. Stillness. Stillness. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Step number two, put your fingers by your eyes. Focus your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Step
Step three, take your hand and do this. This is the Holy Spirit. John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus comes out of the temple, and if you read the Greek carefully, he's shouting, Hey, listen to me. Out of you will flow streams of living water. And by this, John puts in parenthetic brackets, the Holy Spirit who was yet to be given was going to be given to people so that we would understand the Holy Spirit comes through flow. Would you say flow? Right here, flow. And finally, write it down. So I'm going to teach you next week, and we're going deeper. The four keys to walking in the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, is number one, be still and know that I am God. Number two, focus your eyes on Jesus. Number three, follow the Holy Spirit with spontaneous flow. And there's five ways he speaks to us. And I'm going to give those to you in your heart. And then write it down. You can be seated. And then we're going to learn in 1 John 4, 1 through 4, that we need to discern through what we have received to make sure that it's, it's a true with the Word <clears throat> and with the Spirit. So that's where we're going to go next week. Okay, my time is up. I'm going to pray. Next week we have communion. So let's pray together, and I'm going to bless that time. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the family of faith here at Crossroads Church. I want to thank you for the, just the brief history, historical overview that we shared with Calvary Church connected to Crossroads and Crossroads' incredible future as we lean forward into the future by your Holy Spirit. We thank you next week we get to investigate through your word how we can hear you. Jesus, you said in John 10 as the good shepherd that your sheep know your voice, they hear your voice, and we can obey your voice, and we can live incredibly dynamic lives. And I hope next week to be able to share stories of how you have changed my life, Lord, and my walk with you and Chris's walk with you as uh, we are just enjoying spending more time with you in your word. And then when we're out in our workaday world, we can take the cues from your spirit to be involved with people, to love them really well, to challenge them really well, and to share your good news with them, that you died for them, that you want to offer them eternal life, that you want us to rule and reign with Christ forever. And now next week, Lord, we prepare for communion, holy communion here with the saints. And we thank you, uh, as you have been with all the saints who have gone on before, that you'll be with us as we celebrate communion, a feast of remembrance and of fellowship, communion with you and with hope for the future. I want to pray for each person that this week we'll do a... Uh, examination of our hearts and our primary relationships in life, that we would choose to be right before you and before each other so that when we come to the table, it will truly nourish each of us for strength for our journeys. Lord, we love you and we praise you and all God's people said, amen.